Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome. Uh, those of you that have showed up today for what I believe is it, you did it again. You did, I, I, we keep doing that. We can keep doing that. That's okay. I'm going to keep going right through it. Um, I don't have my phone on, my, my microphone or nothing like that. Welcome to Reveal. <laughs> so those of you that have showed up today um, showed up for an extremely important transitional week. I, I was praying about it, and I hope many of you have been blessed by all the work that's been put into the summer so far. Uh, we called the summer, we called the summer theme the best summer ever. And, and those, you know, and those some have experienced exactly that. Others have had to adapt to Mr. and Pastor Marty, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. I miss him dearly as well myself. His preaching, his leadership, his wisdom, uh, just his overall presence. Amen? Amen. I, I totally get it. And though this statement might make him feel a little bit uncomfortable face-to-face, -face, I'll say it anyways, but I too miss me some Marty. Amen? Amen. So, but as I told him when he asked me if I could handle the pressure of working my full-time job, continue to help navigate the direction of our young adults on Wednesday nights, and, and take on the pressure and the preparation of a shared preaching load as well, my answer was, Marty, it's going to be challenging, and I know I'm going to be stretched, but I feel God will grow me through the tension, both as a leader to my biological family and also to my faith family as well. Um, as we head into the final stretch of August, I believe the workload may even increase just a little bit. But I also strongly believe, and hear me on that, I strongly believe that God will sustain us as a faith family as we continue to consistently gather, consistently gather, continue to set up, I'm sorry, continue to step up as a family, continue to guard against division, and keep working together in a way that God's word describes as the body working with many parts and a common goal of continuing to further the kingdom through our church culture. Amen? Amen. A Jesus-centered community where, where we can find God, find others, and find ourselves. It's still the same. This is our why. This is why we are here. Before we move forward, though, and kind of cast vision for the next five Sundays, I want to do a quick recap of what I believe God has been strategically building to this point. Hindsight, they say, is 2020, or... 2021 for where we're at right now. The grudge. Uh, in the grudge series, we talked about letting go of all the hurtful things that we held on to. Learning that Jesus guaranteed that offenses would come, but that living offended was optional. It was a choice. Al talked about the faith to forgive, the big things that, we, that have been done to us, and how we let go of the bitterness that we have toward others. Brent talked on Father's Day about how to forgive God. Not that God ever does anything wrong, but when we have beef, I guess you could say, with God, how do we address it? How do we handle it? Israel made his live rookie debut and blessed so many of us as he closed it out by talking about how to let go of one of the hardest people for us to forgive, ourselves. What I did is a mistake. It's not who I am. Bottom line, and to sum it up, I believe God was pleading with us to begin to let go of the painful things that were weighing us down and holding us back from a better life and a healthier life. Once the weight started coming off, 
speaking in physical terms, spiritual, just using the two to correlate. Once the weight started coming off, we began to learn how to handle difficult people that we are absolutely guaranteed to encounter. I'm sure, has anybody encountered any difficult people since we went through that series? Yes, yes, and I hope you've addressed it and done a little bit better uh, than you did prior. In the Relational Vampire series, learning how to love the people that suck the life out of us. I believe God wanted to shape our level of maturity individually and collaboratively through learning how to control, I'm sorry, through learning how to handle and love controlling people, critical people, needy people, and last week we talked about hypocritical people. So here we are, letting go of the weight of the past, learning to love more maturely in the future. They really do go hand in hand. So many times we're unable to love maturely because we're trying to love out of a heart that's full of the hurts and also the hangups that we're holding on to. Amen? Now, just because those series are over, and I want to say this, we have to continue to revisit the mirror. The mirror. And if you guys, second service, I, I, I tried to mix two words and it came out as a cuss word last. So I cussed second service. Don't judge me. Um, last, month, last week, uh, but we were talking about the mirrors, and uh, I got tongue-tied, and I, and I said something. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> See, what did I say? There you go. Um, we have to continue to revisit the mirror. Look in the mirror. Uh, reevaluate the condition of our souls and not forget what we see when we walk away. If you miss any of those, I'd highly recommend going back and watching or even re-watching ones that challenge you the most. So with that said, the weight's coming off. We have a strategy to stay focused on not re-adding the weight. Because once you lose some of the weight, it's always easy to put it right back on, right? Uh, so we, wanna, we, we don't want to re-add the weight uh, through our mature dealings with difficult people. Now it's time to start building some muscle. Some muscle, amen? Uh, almost, almost. But before we start building... I felt like God was leading me to take a one-week pivot, just this one week, this one week, a one-week transitional message that I believe is going to set the stage for the month of August and for the rest of the year for that fact. Before you start building anything, you don't start building without a plan. You don't start building without a strategy. You don't start building without a blueprint. Welcome to the blueprint. What I'm about to share with you guys has changed the course of my life personally. It was about three years ago. It's also changed my children's lives and the lives of many others to date. And I believe it's just the beginning and that our best is truly yet to come. For some of my young adults, this will be a great opportunity to recap and reflect on the months that we spent unpacking the blueprint together on Wednesdays and gauge how are we doing at, at, at walking out and being doers of what we talked about over those months. I do believe that so many of our young adults and the fruit of the community and the culture that's been created is all built off of what we're going to embark on today. Amen? We broke through a new attendance record. And this is, again, I always say it's not about the numbers, but when God, when you see fruit on a tree, you're going to keep watering the tree and doing the things of the tree that you've been doing to get the fruit. Amen? But we broke through a new attendance record last Wednesday with over 80 plus showing up on Wednesday night. Young, adult, yes, there's something that's going on. So 
I believed it to be wise and prudent to share what I believe has been a key perspective to what's flourishing consistently. I love what actor Jim Carrey said. He said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything that they've ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. A man that poured out his life, his talent, his passion to become successful, famous, rich, have clout, and yet still unsatisfied, empty, and even more confused than prior to his success. Today I want to start off by talking about a word that's like nails on a chalkboard for many of us, me included. It's a word that I believe has been a key ingredient in driving many young people into a place of insecurity, insignificance, confusion, and uncertainty. With anxiety and depression continuing to skyrocket an all-time high, I believe it's a word that carries so much pressure, weight, and shame that it's been one of the greatest contributors to, crippling, to the crippling mental health epidemic that we find ourselves and our children immersed in today. Here's the word, purpose. Mm. With, so many with so many variables from person to person, upbringing to upbringing, so many options, so many possibilities, God, how in the heck am I supposed to know or even find the answer to this pivotal and pressing question? Why did you create me? Why did you create me? What is my purpose? In my short time here on earth, what is my purpose? I asked, and I believe God answered me in one of the clearest ways I've ever heard him. He began to impress on my heart that what we were created to do is unique, each one of us. What we were created to do is unique. What and who we were created for is identical. What we were created to do is seasonal. What and who we were created for is certain. Let me say it this way. What I do is functional. What I am and whose I am is foundational. Foundational purpose. What, I'm sorry, who and what I was created for. Functional purpose, what I am created to do. And it's so easy when we get those two mixed up. And this was such a great epiphany for me because so many times we're called to a function for a season, but no matter what we're called to for a season functionally, we always keep the same foundation. We don't abort foundation to go chase function. Amen? Amen. I'm going to explain more. Because function, what I'm going to do, what I was called to do, function is sexy. Foundation is sustainable. Function focuses on the prize, foundation stays focused on the process. In relationships, function focuses on the hugging, the kissing, the feelings, the emotions. Foundation focuses on being equally yoked, having non-negotiable standards, and is willing to be patient and wait on the right one. Hindsight's 2020 for a lot of us. Foundation sets up function. Function doesn't set up foundation. The foundation of a house isn't, build, isn't built on top of the house. The house is built on top of the foundation. Functional purpose is what my life is built of. 
Foundational purpose is what my life is built on. Function will eventually collapse without a solid foundation. Matthew 7, 25, 27 says this. One of my favorite, favorite verses, one of my life verses. If, if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds his house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against his house, it will collapse. It will collapse, will collapse with a mighty crash. So what is my foundational purpose? See, if, if God's purpose for me is foundational and my purpose for God, what I give back to him is functional, the biggest difference between the two is one puts me first and the other one puts God first. Foundation starts with God. Function starts with me. Then what and who was I created for? Such a stressful question. What if I told you that you could stop chasing purpose and let your purpose begin to chase you? What if I told you that you could stop setting out to find your purpose and let your purpose find you? The blueprint of creation is the purpose for my purpose. There's a reason why I was made. There's a reason why I'm here and there's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why my creator has created me. I'll say it again. The blueprint of creation is the purpose for my purpose. Jeremiah 1.5 says this. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. I set you apart. Derived from what on earth am I here for? And the second best-selling book of all time, next to the Bible, author Rick Warren brilliantly unpacks these five foundational purposes. They changed my life. The perspective that I got, it literally changed my life and the direction of my life. We'll go through them quickly for time's sake, but I'd highly recommend either going through it with a committed friend or a small group of friends as we head into our, um, as we head into our, uh, uh, where we start to open up all the groups here next month. Uh, I forgot what the name of the groups were. Yeah, good, good, yeah, I'm in charge of the groups, and I forgot what the, yeah. So, um, regroups, that's what it was, that's what it was. Uh, I had it. yeah, don't judge me. Um, so, as we head in, now, now foundational purpose of the purpose, purpose number one, this is what fuels all the other foundational purposes. Foundational purpose number one, be loved. See, before I can know what and for before I can know what I was created for, I first have to know who I was created for. Who I was created for is the all-encompassing reason that I was created. And please, lean in just a little bit and listen to this right here. I wasn't created for me. You weren't created for you. I was created for him. You were created for him. And I'll say it again. I wasn't created for me, I was created for him. See, knowing what I was created to do can only be accurately fulfilled when I know who I was created for. Matthew 3, 17 says this, 
a voice from heaven said, this is my son, I love him, I am very pleased with him. And I believe this was such a pivotal and transitional moment for Jesus. This was the moment where he really was what fueled him for what was to come in his ministry. He, he, this was a point of, the transitional point of him stepping into his ministry. And so this whole idea of understanding that he is loved by the Father set him up for the journey that was ahead. Before anything else, God doesn't care about what I accomplished, how successful I am, how much of a financial legacy that I leave behind. Above all of that, he created you and he created me to love me and to love you. He loves you and I more than we could ever expect or imagine. He doesn't love us more when we're doing good than when we're messing up. That's kind of hard to grasp. His love is unconditional. His love is unchanging. And his love is incomprehensible. Even when our actions make us feel less loved, he loves us just the same. I'm going to say that again. Even when our actions make us feel less loved, he loves us just the same. Amen? I believe one of the greatest ways God gives us to experience his love is by how we love each other. Have you ever experienced a love from a stranger that seems so unwarranted, undeserved, or unexplainable? That's what, God, that's what God's love feels like. That's just a small glimpse of what God's love looks like. And that's the number one reason he created us. Our number one foundational purpose is to be loved by God. It's the fuel for all that I do and for all that you do as well, amen? Amen. Um, the next three foundations, the next three foundational purposes are what I was created for. That's who I was created for. The next three are gonna be what I was created for. Purpose number two, it's the deep and innate feeling within each and every one of us. Foundational purpose number two, I was created to belong. I was created and you were created to belong. Accomplishments without relationships ultimately lead to disappointment. The number one reason God wants us to love each other is so that the world outside can see our love and then they'll want to become a part of God's family as well. That's the simplicity of it. Is I don't know why those people love the way they do, I don't know why they treat me like they do, but I want to be a part of that family. That's, the, that's it, that's the ticket. He wants us to be so appealing that people who see us from the outside looking in would be left with no other option than to say, I wish I was a part of that family. They share together, they serve together, they suffer together, they belong together. Ephesians 1.5 says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself only through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him some pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. This is what the purpose behind the purpose was. He, he, he took great pleasure. He wants to adopt not only all of us, but the entire world into his family through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So here's the key. Here's the key. It sounds good. sounds easy. It's the secret sauce to belonging. Not only were we created to belong, 
but we're also called to plant ourselves into the faith family that God has brought us to. What's most important is not that we belong, but it's how we belong. It's really what's sustaining and causes flourishing. I love Psalm 92, 12 to 14. It says, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of God. Even in their old age, they will still produce fruit. Retirement isn't an excuse to stop bearing fruit, amen? Amen, it's not done until it flatlines. They will remain vital and green. They will remain vital and green. Every one of us will plant ourselves somewhere. Every one of us will plant ourselves somewhere. Some will plant in their careers, some will plant in their hobbies, some will plant in their education, and some will plant in a relationship. Some will plant in all forms of entertainment. My question is, is where are you planted? Let me say it this way. Present isn't planted. Present has potential, but present isn't planted. Present isn't planted because present isn't committed. We'll talk more about commitment in a minute. So far, purpose number one, be loved. Number two, belong. And the number three foundational purpose has a you-before-me mindset. Your interests before my interests. You before me. I'll say it again, you before me. Purpose number three, be less. Matthew 20, 28 says this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I like the other version of it. It says, Matthew, same verse, your attitude must be like my own, for I, this isn't me speaking, it's Jesus, your attitude must be like my own, for I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve. I love the way Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says it as well. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take interest in others too. Be less. It's one of the heels that we die on as a church. A contributor mindset, not a consumer mindset. I like what psychology today, when they were asked the question, how do you define selfish? A selfish person is one who is unwilling to be inconvenienced for the sake of another. A selfish person is one who is unwilling to be inconvenienced for the sake of another. Approximately 80% of the work to keep any church moving forward week after week is done by 20% of the people. I'm not condemning any of you. I'm not. Please hear my heart. You know I'm one that loves to be challenged. I challenge myself. I know there are certain circumstances that prevent us from being able to make the time, but as a whole, I believe this is one of the greatest contributors to burnout in ministry and us not feeling whole and complete internally is when everyone isn't playing. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, that was his whole perspective was that everyone gets to play. Everyone should be on the field. We should all, it's not just up to certain people to do ministry. We are all called to be ministers. Amen? So what does that look like? There's too many to name. So many of you 
sacrifice your time, your energy to serve and make sure that this, our church, our home stays like it is, that, that we pour into this place that we love so dearly. Um, a quick, just a quick story. There's a, there's a young man, and the guy's name, his name is Larry. I don't know his last name, but his name's Larry. Larry, I know, has had a really rough season in his marriage. But I tell you what, Larry will come in, and you'll catch him almost any Sunday back there by the AB, AV booth with his baby and his son here trying to learn so that he can serve. I believe this is probably the most misunderstood purpose out of all of them. It's backwards to what our flesh feels, uh, understandably so. But we somehow think that when we serve others, that we're doing them a favor and blessing them. The wrong mindset. When we serve with the right heart, there is something that fills us as we pour out our lives through serving each other. Amen? Amen. Nothing else brings the true fulfillment like being used to be less someone else's life. Right? And if you don't know where to serve, just start somewhere, anywhere, until you find your niche. And hear me on this. Please don't make the mistake of thinking that any job in the kingdom is beneath you. I'll say it again. Please don't make the mistake of thinking that any job in the kingdom is beneath you. We get people from time to time who want the stage who want the influence of what other people have worked so hard to build, and they won't lift a finger to pick up a broom and serve somebody. Ministries are built by serving one another, one person at a time, a servant mindset. And here's a word for someone this morning. I don't know who it is, and I'm going to say it with the most loving heart, but I, I believe it's, it's, it's a little bit tough. The reason why God isn't saying yes, because you can't handle when he tells you no. God says humility, then honor. That's the order. Honor will destroy you and derail you when it's not rooted in humility. Head into the home stretch of our foundational purpose, purpose number four. It really dictates how effective, influential, and satisfied we are at belonging and blessing. Purpose number four, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be like Jesus, not Mike. Uh, Jesus, it, it is be like. John 15, 3 to 5 says this, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the most easy yet least executed of the five purposes. Justification takes, the place, it takes place in the moment that we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's an event. Sanctification is the process of transforming us into being like Jesus. It's a lifelong journey, a long and, consist, a long and consistent process, but it is absolutely impossible to accomplish or even progress towards accomplishing, if like John 15 says, we aren't connected to him, it's impossible. Uh, bottom line, we can't know how Jesus would act if we don't even know who he is. And we can't know who he is if we aren't spending time with him. 
Amen? And many times we, we can actually learn from each other as well. When I see you acting like Jesus because of your connection, it gives me a visual rep representation of what being like Jesus looks like. That's why our connection is so important. It's just not for us, but it's for others. And we often don't see it that, that way, but that's the way that it is. As we transition into the last of the five foundational purposes, number five is almost, um, number five is, is almost the fruit of the other four. Purpose number five, be light. See, when I realized the emptiness and the danger of becoming consumed by what was on the other side of me, living my life to build my kingdom. I realized that what was unseen and wired deep within my soul was to use my influence, my resources, and a much greater percentage of my time focusing on being a greater light for thy kingdom. One of the clearest things that God has ever told me was this. He said, Daniel, you take care of furthering thy kingdom, and he take care of my kingdom. I said, deal. And he's been faithful for the last three years as I've had to make some really tough transitions to pouring out more of my life for what my foundation was. Because when I didn't have the foundation I've had over the last three years, I was walking around still being a believer, but with an emptiness inside that I wasn't complete. Matthew 5, Matthew 5 14 to 16 says this. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that can't be hidden. Also, people do not light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. Then it gives life to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine so that people can see it. Then they will see the good things that you do, the good things that you do, and they will bring glory to your Father who is in heaven and say, I want to be a part of that family. Again, my foundational purpose is who and what I was created for. And he's given me light to be a light to others. He's given me gifts, and he's given you gifts so that you can use your gifts for others. He blesses me so I can be a blessing to you and others. Being the light is the family business. It's the family business. The family business is simply summarized as this. It's the ministry of undoing the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8, and it's not up there, but I'm going to read it to you because it's short. It says, Jesus came to undo the works of the devil. The greatest thing, I think one of the things that gets him most upset is when he sees a happy family. When he sees a family that is unified. That drives him nuts because he knows the power that resides in that family. Undoing the work of the devil, this is the family business. And when our light shines like it's supposed to, light shines, you turn the lights on, darkness has no choice but to leave. Amen? When I'm confident in my foundational purpose, God can build a skyscraper on top, a skyscraper. When I'm being loved, here's a recap. When I'm being loved by God, I'm running on the highest octane fuel ever created. When I belong to God's family and am planted in a local church family, I have the community that helps me feel, that helps me um, stay fulfilled and that my leaves stay green and it keeps me flourishing. When I make a decision to serve in the family, I'm now planted. I'm able to be less others by searching wherever is needed in the church family. All the while continuing to stay connected to Jesus. 
I think the reason why burnout happens is because people, the 80 or the 20% of people that, that really are saying, like, I'm willing to do all the work, they forget the connection to Jesus and how it's important. So they start doing the work in their power and then they burn out because they no longer have the strength to be able to do what it is that they need to do because they disconnected because they were too busy trying to do everything that they weren't connected. And they said, well, I'm doing your work, Lord. But no, you can't do your work unless he's doing the work through you. Amen? Amen. Be in the light. That's what he's called me to be. To all those that don't know him, all the while expelling darkness and undoing the works of the devil, the family business. Once I understood my foundational purpose, when I ever started to feel unstable, whenever I started to feel off, whenever I started experiencing confusion in my feelings or maybe a loss of direction, I realized there was usually a crack that had developed in one of my foundational purposes. Why do we have cracks? What is one of the number one contributors to cracks? Excuses, or what I like to call butt cracks. <laughs> B-U-T, not B-U-T-T. I want to, but I know I need to, but that makes a lot of sense, but I was going to, but it sounds really good, but when my butt keeps me from committing, my butt causes cracks in my foundation. Amen. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those who, whose hearts are fully committed to him. He says, when you are fully committed to me, I will strengthen you. I will give you the strength that you need when you're committed and fully committed to me. He's looking for committed people. He's looking. When he sees the 80% ratio versus the 20%, he's like, I need some more committed people, and I'll strengthen the 20% so that we can start to turn the tables. Bottom line, my connection to God will always affect my commitment to God. For a more practical picture... I love this example of the chicken and the pig. The chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. Because in a ham and egg breakfast, the chicken is involved, but the pig is truly committed. Some of you guys are still trying to figure out, you'll get it later. So here's my question. What's your current level of commitment to the family business? Are you committed? And if not, what's holding you back? Committed starts with a statement, but it's only sustained through sacrifice. Committed starts with saying, I will, and when tempted to quit, says, I won't. Committed is focused on fruition, despite my feelings. Remember, the cracks in my foundation, I'm sorry, remember, the cracks in my foundation usually develop from a decreased or lack of commitment. Don't believe me, just try to stay away from church for a while. Just try to stay away from the gym for a while. Whether it's a first-time commitment or a recommitment multiple times, the greatest outward declaration to an inward commitment that one can make is where we're officially commissioned to, God's foundational purposes for our lives. And also, we're, we're choosing by choice to surrender our lives to be used for the family business. This is the most beautiful imagery. 
an outward declaration that reflects the greatest inward commitment of somebody's life. Watch this video. Today is the day that I'm getting baptized again. My name is Nelly. Today is July 4, 2021, and I am getting baptized today. What's poppin'? I'm Preston. I'm 17. I'm here to get baptized again. Hey, my name is Ricky. Today is the day that I'm deciding to rededicate my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been going to Wednesday nights for about three months maybe, and I started going because uh, I actually met somebody who's, who went there and he started bringing me. And at first I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this, uh, the setup was kind of weird, and I everybody just was talking out loud about their experiences, and I never thought that I was going to talk or share any of my experiences. And then over the couple months, every Wednesday night, a question stuck out to me, and I felt like I wanted to talk and I wanted to open up. And vulnerability is something I really struggle with. So being able to be vulnerable around a group of people that I don't even really know that well um, was amazing. I first got baptized, it was over a year ago, and I had just regained my faith and started going back to church. And I decided that it would be the best opportunity to get baptized. I'm now just starting to know what, it's, what it means to be baptized and what it means to be a child of God. I've just found somewhere where I feel like I belong and I'm accepted. Yeah, I was in my car. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. Uh, me and my wife had gotten a huge argument, and so I went in my car and started praying, just not even knowing what I was actually praying for, just trying to sit there and like chop it up with God. In that moment, he had spoke, kind of gave me a couple directions. I was in the military and at the same time in the middle of a super toxic marriage and in the middle of that storm that was brewing um, I was still able to hear God's voice in a way that I never heard before and that's kind of what stood out piece by piece. I started moving, I put in the paperwork to get out of the military, separated from my wife, started putting all of my time um, towards God and just trying to strengthen that relationship and that bond with him, and then the second that I got out, I started looking for churches in the area I knew I was gonna be um, stationary for a little while, and I tried two churches before I came to Reveal, which didn't really work out. You just, I, I didn't feel any sort of spiritual connection at all, and then the second I walked through the doors at Reveal, it just, I knew I'd found a home. Uh, ministry, me pursuing ministry, um, God kind of revealed that to me 
over that time that I started to strengthen my relationship. I knew that that is the main goal, but the details on um, what that looked like weren't really there yet, but I am stoked. Can't wait. I didn't really understand what baptism meant originally, um, but now I know and have a better understanding of what being born again, both in the water and the spirit means. I actually ran into Daniel Davis at Reveal Church. Um, I met him in the park by chance, but now I'm realizing that God has really set him on my path. And a couple members of Reveal Church were talking about baptisms being done this Sunday. So I figured that it was the perfect time to get rebaptized and rededicate myself to the Lord. So before when I got baptized, um, I really wasn't doing it for myself. I was really doing it just so people could see that I was um, just kind of going to church as a lukewarm person. I wasn't really like dedicating my life to Jesus. I was just kind of going there. I didn't really understand what Jesus and the whole thing meant. I was just going there because, well, my parents wanted to be there. So, but recently I've came back and I figured out that I wanted to dedicate my life as a servant instead of being selfish to, my, to myself because I would usually just stay at home, not really go hang out with people because I just wanted to be home. Um, but now I'm like getting out. I feel like I need Jesus every day. Like I'm trying to find a way to figure out how to talk to him every day and all that. And I've had a... Um, emotional and mental like growth spurt when it comes to a lot of things and and spiritual um, and yeah that's why I'm here Thank you.
that video as well. Um, guys, all right. Um, so here's why August is going to be one of the greatest months of the year. On the last Sunday of the month, Pastor Marty is coming back. <laughs> and he said that he's super excited and ready to baptize some people. We're doing a baptism blowout. Baptisms are my absolute favorite celebration of what we do around here. Amen? Amen. And so I want as many of you who feel led as possible to recommit or to commit for the first time ever. Sign up, uh, to sign up to be baptized, you can either do it online or you can do it in the bulletin. Do it today or as soon as you make your mind up. We need to order T-shirts, and we need to prepare for all the other festivities that we're going to be doing. And, and I want to say this. Somebody needs to hear this. Don't you worry about what other people are going to think. If you want to recommit your life to God and allow us to celebrate with you, come on. Come on, because I, I believe, I believe that just like with the prodigal son, Jesus openly, openly welcomes us and, and, and the desire for us to recommit our life as many times as it takes. Um, do me a favor, please share this message today with, uh, with friends and, and family. Go back and watch it or listen to it again or, or get Rick Warren's book and unpack it further for, with a friend or a group of friends. Here's the last announcement as we leave today. We have the blueprint, and now let's get ready to build. Let's get ready to build. So God the Builder... Look behind you. That's pretty cool how that happens, huh? So God the Builder is a four-week series that starts next week, and here's my heart. This is my heart. Hear me on this. Let's commit individually as a community to being here every Sunday this month. Yes, every Sunday this month. And let's create, let's create some momentum. Let's be prepared for his return, okay? Instead of Marty coming back to dead weight, Let's make sure that he comes back to a church family ready to do work. Amen. What better way for us to show him love? Right. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the work that you did here today. We thank you that you were so faithful. Father, I pray that in this month to come, Lord, I believe that you are going to do something and begin to stir and shake things within our church family. God, I, I believe it. I, you, you showed me that. And as many times the enemy tries to say, that's dumb, that's stupid, God. Lord, I know that when you let me see things, you give me confidence in the vision that you give me. And I thank you for that. So this month, Lord, I pray that we would invite more friends than ever. This is one of the greatest on-ramps to any month that we've done. God, let the celebration that takes place at the end of the month be the fruit of us embracing the process through the entire month. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we are so grateful for who you are, who you are in our lives, and just the inspiration that it is when we see you moving and working in other people's lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next week.